I can't believe you watched that trash. I don't, I don't understand the appeal. How can you listen to that? Why are you so into this? Ever heard these phrases about something you love from your friends and loved ones? Wish that you could sit them down and explain to them the merits of your favorite things in a non-judgmental conversation? Welcome to I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast all about your problematic faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. And I'm your co-host, Beth Scorzato. And we're here to listen. I've always been curious how many just like horrible, it's always sunny specks are floating around out there. Oh, probably a lot. Of just like. It's a very specific tone. It really is, but I, I, I can imagine it's one that so many people cannot do properly. Yeah. <laughs> like, the gang burns down the KFC. <laughs> all, all right. Why? Because Mac. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, you do not get this fellowship. Yeah, the show has such a specific political voice too. Like, oh it's yeah, super aware, and so like, it's very, it's it's very interesting. It's always woke in Phil- always woke in Philadelphia. Yeah, it is. I, I've seen maybe like twenty of them. It's great. Um, it's the it's a live action Looney Tunes. That yeah, that's that's fair. I heard a similar thing uh, about. Last Man on Earth, where someone was like, at least for the first season, when like Will Forte becomes like very unlikable very quickly. Oh, really? Yeah, I've only seen the first two um, episodes. It's great. It's yeah. really, really good. But like, he is he is hard to root for uh, <laughs> until someone was like, just imagine that he is Daffy Duck, and it's oh, a Daffy yeah. Duck cartoon, and it's like, oh, oh, that this makes, makes so much more, <laughs> so much more sense now. Um. So all of that being said, hello and welcome. To uh, I think you'd be into it. The podcast about your problematic faves. Um, I'm Brandon Beck, and I'm Beth Scorzato, uh, and we're here today with uh, our guest, um, writer, comedian, fashion icon, yeah, <laughs> uh, style icon for millions, yeah. uh, Brett White. Hi, hello, that's me. <laughs> that's you in the corner. This is my singing voice. <laughs> I'm going to insist that you do the whole interview like that. As Bill McNeil. <laughs> yep. Hey. No. Um, Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. Uh, how, how are you enjoying Los Angeles? Hey, you know, I've um, I've not been to a pool or a beach, so it's kind of a disaster so far. Right? Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you, yeah. it seems like you're just for your personal brand, you're I'm fucking sorry. up. You did uh, you did skip beach to come here today, and we really appreciate it. Oh, that, that is we true, do. yeah. This was supposed to be our beach day. Maybe Tuesday. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Hit, you hit up, hit up, yeah, hit up the beach uh, on Tuesday while I'm at my therapy. Therapist. Yeah, that's that's my Tuesday. <laughs> that's my Mondays back in New York. So Hell yeah, what what therapy hour? I I had a day once. I just lost my insurance, so I no longer have my therapy hour. Yeah, woo. Oh. But the, but oh. Beth, <laughs> and it had nothing to do with hashtag a better way. Hashtag a better way. <laughs> it had to do with hashtag losing my job. Yay. <laughs> But now that you've lost your job, you can be given a health savings account with money that you'll have. Oh, dear God. What yeah, is no, all? That, I, I'm so blissfully unaware of everything. I only know what that I was because lo- you could get that through my other. Like, that's oh. the thing that normally. We're not talking about this on this show. <laughs> <laughs> this is a happy. This is escapism. <laughs> this is escapism. Yeah, th- this show is always about. <laughs> well, I did. I did tell him yesterday. And then I think I think I also t- I did tweet at this, too. But that I I. I just like as I look at everything, I feel like 
the time that the current timeline we're in is that Paul Ryan made a wish on a genie, but without knowing the first rule of genies, and he was too vague. Yeah, yeah. And now he's yep. got everything he wants, but not how he wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Th- this this show is always about like eight seconds away from turning into just like commiseration s- fest. Yeah, just what? like a screaming lefty. Uh, just nightmare. Uh. But uh, we're not Pod Save America. We're, I think you'd be into it. Yay! Um, and Brett is here today to talk with us about something I have almost no knowledge That's exciting. Of, um, outside of I never watched the cartoon. Well, you were wrong. Well, yeah. Um, but I, n- I watched no TV growing up, and I love this cartoon. See, exactly. Yeah. No, no, no. This is on me. When I was when I was younger, I didn't like to watch cartoons that were serious. Okay, well, I love that in retrospect, this is a serious one. Yeah, right. Anyway, really- what we're talking about is <laughs> '90s X-Men. Yeah, which we haven't actually said. We just started yelling at each other about the show. I, I for some reason I almost started singing the Doctor Who theme, like that was the X-Men theme. No, na 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 na. I've given you everything. I'm your lady tonight. <laughs> like it sounds just like whatever you want from me. I'm giving you. <laughs> I remember, like, because I think that's from I think that's Whitney Houston from the Bodyguard soundtrack. I think that came out like the year before the X Men cartoon debuted. And wow! Was like that theme song is a ripoff of Whitney Houston's "I'm Your Baby Tonight," "I'm Your Lady Tonight." Um, I don't, I don't know. Do you sing that every time? No, uh, it does come into my head. <laughs> well, that's like since I saw it, I, I made up lyrics to the West Wing theme, uh, which is just singing the actors' names yeah, as they appear yeah. on on screen. I would, and I still sing it, and I've been watching those again because that was a poor choice of mine. I've yeah. Been. Um, and every single time I hear that theme song, I sing his dumb lyrics in my yeah. head, even when they don't match up with who's actually in it that season. Yeah, it stops yeah. working after he, season three. It doesn't even work in season one. But oh yeah, it works in season it, two. Yeah, but when ideal, you taught it to time. me, it's I learned it and it's in my head all my, the time. My favorite part is at the very end uh, when it does a da na na da na na, bing bing bing. The lyric there is Martin Sheen TV show TV show, and I, I uh, yeah I, I can't see that at all without just thinking Martin Sheen TV show. I did do that with the X Men theme song too because that was a it was a roll call theme song where they had you know like here's Beast's moment here's Jubilee's moment here's Rogue and they all their logos on it they're doing their powers and stuff sure and, and that's how I got into the X Men was through that cartoon so I'm of that generation does it have a d- you're wearing sweet X Men I don't know if you oh, saw yeah, oh yeah you're wearing X-Men sweet X Men shoes today yeah. the, we'll uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> take, a, take pic- a picture of those X Men vans I also have an X Men wallet nice you I- also have like a room of X Men. Yeah, my office is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, it feels more like a vault when you're in there. Yeah. Just I mean, a wall great. of it's comics. Rad. Yeah. Like a literal wall of comics. Yeah, I have all my prized X Men possessions. The one I've had the exact same Art Adams 1991 X Men poster on my wall for the past 26 years. I got it at a Kmart in 1990, like three or whatever. That, wow. that math doesn't add up, but still, uh, 24 <laughs> years. Um, and it's been every apartment I've been in, it's always there because it's a great poster, even though that roster never existed in the comics. Oh, it's really? Fine. What what was what's the what's the lineup? It is basically it's like every X-Man that existed in the late 80s all at once. So okay. it has your it has the Australian Outback 8 of Psylocke, Storm, Rogue, Dazzler, Colossus, Havoc, Wolverine, uh, Longshot. But then it also has 
Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler on it, who were in Excalibur at the time. And then sure. also has Sunfire on it, explicably. And then all of the original five X-Men, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, Iceman, and Angel. Wow. Flying just over like the top. flying over it. Yeah. So that- it's just like all of them. And it's like, it's great. And together they make up the polyphonic spree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't I didn't know there were that many X-Men. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. There's Whoa. so many X-Men. I mean, Are you kidding? No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, mean, we've had conversations in which you've asked me something and my response was, I don't know. It's probably some fucking an X-Men there's a million X-Men yeah. well, it's, it's, and it generally then goes to ask Brett I don't know yeah. <laughs> I don't know go ask the internet you know how many fucking X-Men there are god there's so many especially yeah, it, in this era yeah ah uh, it's the best era so, okay so um, give us your 30 second elevator pitch for, for why it's good or for, what it is or just, just so why no I mean I think we know most people know what it is. Yeah. But why? But why? Why you think people would be into? Because I mean, I, yeah, we yeah. talked about this a little before it, before we started taping. But that it gets some shit. You yeah. Know? The, so what's your thirty second pitch for like why I try it, and then we'll cool. get we'll get more into it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, baseline is the '90s are much maligned on the whole, but if you're gonna read good '90s comics, X-Men were kind of unequivocally the best the '90s had to offer. Uh, and then on top of that, the X-Men line in specific is this is the time when it is maybe the most diversified, and like every book has their own tone, their own team members, and then you're also seeing artists like Jim Lee, Joe Matarera, Andy Kubert, uh, Greg Capullo, like all these people that are now giants of the industry, all Jay Lee. All getting their like start on these books at a time when the art and the words are clashing a lot in interesting ways, especially on X Force. And also, if you love like the Fast and Furious movies and just ridiculous action shit, okay, these are those comics. Also, yeah. specifically X Force. I wrote a whole article for CBR just being like X Force is the Fast and Furious of the Marvel Universe or whatever. <laughs> ideally, yeah. Uh, so so, we, uh, so I'm gonna need you to now say who is who. Oh, oh, I don't, it doesn't it doesn't map one to one. It is more like because X Force in the '90s is a multicultural group of like found family, kind of like quasi criminals that go on super dumb action <laughs> shit all the time. I mean, they blow up one of the twin towers in one of the first. What? Issues, oh my god! Uh, which what? you know, in 1991 was like you know a weird sci-fi fantasy. fantasy. Like it wasn't Wait, a real. Wasn't that year there was a bomb threat oh, there too yeah, there might have been yeah i think it was the same year so maybe it was like ripped from the headlines yeah. might have been maybe rob liefeld ripped that from the headlines uh yeah so yeah we're then, gonna take we're gonna take the tower and we're sorry, gonna give it no. giant biceps i could do a whole episode i could do a whole episode about uh, my yeah. feelings on rob liefeld no, exactly. do it. um did i remind me to tell you later that i once got in a weird twitter fight with the designer of the rob liefeld app <laughs> i love that there's an app i x like to even like get, because I wanted to expand it to all 90s yeah. X-Men because I love yeah. all, there's something good about all of these comics, but X-Force in specific is my favorite comic of all time, specifically only the 90s version. And it is a weird thing because I don't really like Rob Life. Like he's, he has, everything you've heard about him is true. Basically to quote Hansel in The Force Awakens, everything I'll, you've heard is true. I, I I can take, if you don't want to be the one to say it, I'm happy to take this for you because <laughs> I've, I've talked extensively in public yeah. about that I do not like Rob Liefeld's art. It's a, it is it is not good art. I it, do like his jeans commercial. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. Wait, what? He was in I a Spike Lee directed Levi's commercial. Oh right. Um he the one thing that his art has going for it, which is something that is really hard, it's actually really hard to pull off is his art has energy. 
it ha- when you oh, yeah. read everything's early, in motion all the it's, time it's really interesting like the energy is infectious you'll read it and be like none of this makes sense the characters like there's like page there's a page of x-force where feral the cat like a murderer X-Force character, Maria Calle Santos from the Bronx. Okay. Uh, she goes from like wearing a necklace to not wearing a necklace to wearing a bracelet to not wearing a bracelet all on one page. Oh, good. See, that annoys me though because that's also bad editing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah. And it's also, there's a, the early 90s, I mean, I don't know, I'm trying, like, do I tell the story chronologically? Do it. Um, I mean, follow your bliss here. Yeah, okay? yeah. The, this is a safe space. One of the interesting things about 90s X-Force is that it is a, or 90s X-Men comics in general, is it is a really fascinating behind the scenes look at how comics were made, especially at the most, the time they've been the most popular up until maybe most recently. Sure. Like World War II, early 90s, and maybe now. Uh, basically, the X-Books in the late 80s, early 90s, they got like Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, like the names of Wills Portacio uh, on the books. And all of a sudden, that 90s house style started, and kids, like, loved it. The writer, the artist got way more say. Writers like Chris Claremont and Louis Simonson started getting less say, even though they've been writing the books for, like, Chris Claremont for 16 years. Yeah, I was going to ask you if if this was still the Claremont era. Yeah, like, he and Jim Lee had a really great synergy, but they started giving the artists a lot more say, and, like, a lot, they started plotting the issues and stuff. And the writers, like, that's why Chris Claremont left. It's why Louis Simonson left. Uh, who was writing X Factor and New Mutants at the time? Okay. So, but that's the that's the time when they decide we're going to relaunch everything in 1991, and so that's when X Force launches, adjectiveless X Men launches. Uncanny <laughs> X Men number 281 comes out. X Factor mm-hmm. 71 comes out, and it's just like boom, big rush, big names. But then a year later, all those artists leave to go found Image. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then <laughs> and, and yeah. then they all founded Image. Like Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld are on for like the first year of those books and then they're gone. And then you have to watch, you're watching and they left right before the executioner song, which is like the big crossover that they were all oh, planning. No. And so that you're watching them scramble to get like, who's going to draw these books? <clears throat> oh, Andy Kubert and Greg Capullo. And that's where they like got their big breaks. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're like huge names. Like they're iconic Batman artists now. They are. Yeah. They are. Uh, Andy Kubert. Number one dad. Yeah. Actually, he's my friend's dad, which is yeah, why. Yeah. So I really mostly know him as like my friend's dad <laughs> who's just there. And I know him as the guy that, that illustrated Rogan Gambit's first date where yeah. they went on a date to a French restaurant and Gambit tried to lick, uh, he tried to lick like pate off her cheek or something. I don't know. Uh, wow. And she was the like, don't touch. The 90s. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Well, there's also, there's also a plot line in uh, X-Men where Psylocke all of a sudden like has to sow her wild oats and starts like flirting hardcore with Cyclops. Okay. Who's like in a relationship with Jean Grey. <laughs> sure. And she's like getting out of pools and bathing suits next to him. And then like she walks in on him uh, fixing up the blackbird, which is not a metaphor. <laughs> um, and she like licks motor oil off his cheek. There's oh, a lot. It's great. And oh, I was reading all this what? in third grade. I'm like, this is what love is like. <laughs> Why is there so much licking There's in the in licking. 90s X-Men? Um, like, but yeah, uh, so the books also at the time were like the X Men. The X Men titles before that were fascinating because Chris Claremont broke up the X Men. Sure. And so for like three years, there were no X Men in the book Uncanny X Men, and it was all these like vignettes and solo stories of like Storm and Gambit in Cairo, Illinois, and like 
Wolverine, Psylocke, and Jubilee, and Madripoor, and okay. and Dazzler dealing with her stalker, like stuff like that. Was her stalker played by Dennis Miller? Yeah. <laughs> and Baby New Earth News Radio. <laughs> no. um, we, we talked about News Radio for like half an hour before the show. Do. As you do. Which we, which we need to have you on again at some point God, to talk so about. Multicam sitcoms with that ass. Um, so this whole thing in 1991 was also like getting the gang back together. Like we're sure. going to do, we're going to move them back into the X mansion. They're going to be in a danger room. They're going like, to all run a bar. They're all going to like hang out at Harry's hideaway a lot, <laughs> which is the bar they frequented. <laughs> it's where Cyclops's bachelor party was. And I'm okay. X-Men number now, three. Now is that in, ten. is that in Nyack or is that in White Plains or where? Uh, Westchester. Okay. Well, well Salem I mean, Center. Yeah. I was going to say Westchester is the county. Yeah. But, Salem Center. But Salem. I mean, cause the X mansion, I mean, you know that. Yeah. 1407. Gray which Malcolm if you Lane. look at, if you look at any, this is my favorite part of any like Marvel video game. If you look at them on a map, um, it makes it look like, like if you if you're playing like for example like the Lego Marvel game, yeah. you can you can fly up and it makes it look like Westchester is like just north of Manhattan. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. the Bronx. <laughs> no, it's nope. that's the Bronx. Yeah, I remember yeah. being a kid. My New York geography was like, oh yeah, the X Men like lives live in New York City, and now like oh they have to get on fucking like Metro North yeah. to get down to like battles or like meetings with the Avengers. Yeah, like, can you just imagine? Logan just fucking sitting on Metro North. Yeah, just like Logan on a G train when it gets switched to an F train. Yeah. yeah. Just like on a local train. Like, but it, I, I heard an interview uh, years ago on NPR with the person for a Google map maker whose job it was to like verify, like people could say, oh, this is this neighborhood. Yeah. And it was his job to go yes or no. And somebody uh, sent him one that it was, Everything from 34th Street down to about 16th from 8th Avenue to 5th, and it was labeled as kinda near Penn. And he was like, you're not, yeah, he was like, you're not incorrect. Yeah. I, I, I can't do that, but you're not wrong. I live in, I got a new apartment in KMP. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you, I actually, um, the, if you type in fourteen oh seven Gray Malkin Lane in Google, like it will, ta- or if you tap in like the like X yeah. Mansion, it will Google Maps will take you to where the air quote X Mansion is. Oh, like, really? It's in Google Maps. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Google. Oh, I'm sure because yeah. they're all huge fucking they're nerds. All nerds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's stellar. Yeah. But the X the X Men in the '90s get maligned, I think, because a lot of the characterizations get off. Sure. I mean, like, it's also like I'm biased because it's when I started uh, reading them, so of sure. course I love them. But I still think there's still a lot of good stuff in there, uh, even if like Scott Lobdell did not know how to write Storm and her character <laughs> greatly suffered. But he knew how to write Iceman, and Iceman actually got a lot of really great character development. Yeah. So it's you have to like you know take the good you take the bad. Scott Lobdell's really great at writing like just just think in your head of who like your number one trash boy is and that's who <laughs> Scott Lobdell is going to be good at writing. Yeah. Oh man, like he wrote the other thing I love is Generation X, which launched in 1994, which X-Men always has like a teen book started in 1983 with New Mutants. Okay. So yeah. I started reading X-Men like 9293 and so like oh I'm getting a teen book. It's going to be my book. I was like 10 years old. And so Generation X comes comes out, and it's Scott Lobdell and Chris Pachalo in art. And it is amazing because it is all <laughs> asshole kids who mm-hmm. are smoking and drinking, and they are all underage. Yeah. Good. And the art is super, super weird, and all the designs of the characters are like crazy. Like, Chamber is a mutant who's a goth, British, like, Smith's-looking Morrissey guy yep. who 
everything from his nose down is a furnace of energy that he has like wrap up with bandages because he doesn't have a jaw and a chest anymore. <laughs> so so he's like the invisible man if instead yeah. of being invisible he was just flames. On fire. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That sounds really impractical. Yeah. I Like how I does he a take a shower? Weird... I yeah, don't he, think he needs he, to. He looks like he doesn't. Yeah. Also, he's very like leathery and like yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I think I read some of this when I was interning there. Like we just had like a lot of it in the back ones, and yeah. there were all these weird like rad '90s covers of like fucking um. I'm now blanking on the name, but anyway, like Squirrel Girl was in it, and there was like um. Ooh. All these people like surfing. Like there was a lot of surfing. There was a summer special in the early 90s that had Squirrel Girl in it and stuff like that. Because they're like, like, Marvel in the early 90s just published like swimsuit specials, summer specials, just yeah. like go to town. And I mean, so much, there's an, there's an, <laughs> there's an issue, early issue of X-Men uh, with art by Jim Lee where a main plot point is, I think Gambit throwing a kinetically charged blueberry pie at Bishop. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it becomes like a thing they reference a lot. Because I remember- it, Was this like the Lil X-Men or something? Yeah, no, it was a- uh, Real drama, man. They, wow. That's because Bishop was a time-traveling mutant that came back and was like, oh, you're all my heroes, except that guy. That guy's the one that's going to kill all of you. And Gambit's like, oh, mon ami, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I he love came, Gambit. He came from the past to find the pie murderer. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out that murderer was actually Professor X all along. In um, a really cool, like, long game payoff. Yeah. There's nice. cool stuff happens. Nice. But you read comics. Yes. You're, but you're you're a recent com- convert. Yeah, when when I, I I didn't start reading until I was probably like fourteen or fifteen, and that was pretty much exclusively just like I I I was an Oni kid. Okay, like I I got cooler the- than me. <laughs> Uh, it was I, girl, sorry. It was Squirrel Girl surfing and Warlock surfing, and I'm just I'm trying to find this photo now because it was so <laughs> weird. I was like, why is Warlock surfing? Oh, I love that. Um, but yeah, like so, it was a lot of like the Kevin Smith stuff. Like that's what got me in, and like his run on Daredevil got me into Marvel. And, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but like even now, I tend to skew a little more towards like the 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 only books I've been reading consistently since Hawkeye ended yeah. really have been like Giant Days. And sex criminals and saga. Okay, I think like, I would recommend because I th- I do think there's a '90s X Men comic for everyone. Sure. So I will talk about X Factor. Okay. Which is uh, X Factor for the first seventy issues was just like let's get the original five X Men back together and put them in a book. Okay. And so that's where that's where like Cyclops, Beast, Iceman, Angel, and Jean Grey like hung out for seventy issues. That's sort of like the uh, all new. X-Men, yeah, yeah it's which dead. I really enjoyed. Yeah. I, I really liked that. So that was like, all new X-Men is kind of a weird, like <coughs> Muppet Babies version of or the original X-Men. Okay. In a cool, way. cool, cool. Um, and you never see Professor X, uh, Professor X from the waist up. It's just his wheelchair down. Yep. Uh, it's so, just, it's just dick shots. Yeah. Oh God. Under a blanket. Cause he's cold. Um, but still visibly hard. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> also, but also like, it's also revealed in the nineties that Professor X had a really inappropriate crush on underage Jean Grey when oh, she became yeah. a student. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, I know about that. Yeah. yeah. So X-Men number 54, I think, written by written by Mark Way, but it wasn't his idea, I don't think. It was like an editorial like edict to like, write this. Boo. Anyway, X-Factor. <laughs> so in 1991, the original five X-Men go and join the X-Men again. And okay. so X-Factor was like, well, the cast, who's going to be in this book now? Well, we have all these random-ass mutants just like laying around that have never been on teams. Sure. So like Havoc, Polaris, Wolfsbane, Multiple Man, Strong Guy, and Quicksilver... A I've heard of two of those. Yeah, a hodgepodge of randos 
all uh, become the new X Factor, which is a government-sponsored superhero team. Okay, run like run by the U.S. government to be like the the shiny, happy mutants that wear like they're one yeah. of the best issues. So is, you definitely want Quicksilver in on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> son yeah. of Magneto, who's a raging asshole. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that book is written by Peter David with art by Larry Stroman, and is Peter David early Peter David where he is so fun, he is so pop culture savvy, super satirical. Like, they take on, like, abortion clinic bombings because uh, people start trying to bomb... The Mutant Liberation Front is trying to bomb an abortion clinic because this doctor's, like, trying to, like, give women the right to abort babies. And they're like, those might be mutants! Fuck that! Like, it's... Like, that's, like, wildly politically aware yeah. of, like, 1991 Marvel X-Men comics. But like, that's more all, woke he, than I was yeah. expecting. Peter David had a X-Factor series they let him do a couple years ago, yeah, too. Yeah, for eight years. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, I read it when it first started. Yeah. Um, like, I remember them re- redoing it again, like, yeah, like, I guess, like, eight years ago. And I read it when it first started, and then I just, I don't know, I couldn't get as into it. Oh, I, like, I like 90s version more because it is funnier, and also I love those characters, and also I was a kid when I read it. So, it's also, like, Multiple Man and Strong Guy are, like, the funniest X-Men that whoa, have whoa, ever whoa, existed. Hold, hold up. His name is Strong and Guy? His name, he's originally, his name is Guido Caracella. And That's he, no better. Yeah. That's no better. He was originally just Lila Cheney is an intergalactic mutant rock star. Okay. So she's basically like Joan Jett if Joan Jett could teleport, but only between planets. How do you know that Joan Jett can't teleport? I don't. So there you go. So maybe it is actually based on Joan Jett. Um, and so in the 80s, Guido was just her bodyguard. Okay. And that's it. And then like he kind of got more of a personality in the late 90s, but then he was just in this shuffle of random mutants in 1991. They put him on X Factor. And he didn't have a code name. And they're at their, it's X-Factor number 72, I think. And they're at their press conference. And like Havoc, the leader, Cyclops' younger brother, who has a whole lot of issues and complexes about, my big brother is the leader of the X-Men. I got to live up to that. He is uh, like introducing all of them. And it's like, this is Wolfsbane. This is Multiple Man. This is Polaris and Quicksilver. And then, uh, and then strong guy Guido's just like, and I'm uh, every team has a strong guy. I'm strong guy. And Havoc is like, oh my God, what the hell? And every week I answer emails and have adventures <laughs> with my friends Homestar and Bubs. <laughs> and it becomes one of the great runners of X Factor is Havoc's continued embarrassment of the people he's associating with. <laughs> I kind of can't blame him. Specifically X Factor number 84. I love busting out weird issue numbers. Uh, it is part two of the Executioner song. So in part one... This is in part one. Professor X is uh, at a global mutant peace concert in Central Park. Okay, who's us, on the lineup? Uh, Lila Cheney. Yeah. Okay. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. Dazzler. Yeah. Uh, the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Um, they weren't around at that point. It was still Nirvana. This is pre. Oh. Yeah. This yeah. Nineteen ninety two, ninety three. Um, so he gives a he and he gets a assassinated or he gets shot by Cable. Turns out it's Cable's time traveling evil clone. So, um, oh. so basically. X Factor number 84 is mostly set in a hospital where he's getting, you know, he's rushed to the hospital because he was shot in the chest. And since Cable was leader of X-Force, they're like, well, we need to go track down those little punks because they might know something more about this guy that just shot Professor X. So Havoc's like, okay, well, my team will go after them because we're the government like cops. So you get this really fascinating clash of the X-Men cop team going after the X-Men 19-year-old asshole team and them fighting. And the cool thing is a lot of those characters... Like, Siren on X-Force and Multiman on X-Factor were an item at one point, mm-hmm. as was, like, Cannonball on X-Force and Wolfman on X-Factor were, like, best friends. And so there's all this stuff. And then at the very end, like, Havoc shows up, and he's with the X-Men, who were his old teammates. And 
he's not with them anymore. It's like he's obviously taken a demotion. Sure. And they, he's like, I think Wolverine says something like, well, we'll get X-Force. And then after that, maybe we'll get Cable. And then Strong Guy like says something like, oh, yeah, and then maybe like the Disney Channel for Rain. Because <laughs> Rain is like 16 years old. He makes like such a horrible cable pun and Havoc is just like, oh my God, like, stop it. It's so amazing. You know, that's He's just, just so embarrassed all yeah. the time. That's the thing that Marvel has done pretty consistently well is let's just take a bunch of randos, yeah. make them into a squad and see what happens. So like, it, like it's that and there was uh, one of my favorite Marvel books of all time was Next Wave. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is, Next Factor has a lot of like Next Wave in there. Oh yeah. Oh, the, oh like the same, characters? Like, well, no, that's the same. Well, same vibe. The same like vibe, but also of uh, people that shouldn't be together just dealing yeah. with it. Yep. yep. <laughs> Meltdown from Next Wave is one of my favorite characters because she's an X Force character who was originally named Boom Boom and then Boomer and then Meltdown. Okay. Which one? Uh, which one was she again? I haven't read uh, Next Wave in a while. Her characterization in Next Wave is not canonically accurate, so that was my initial gripe with that book. Although I love it now. Sure. <laughs> she's they Warren Ellis writes her as a Paris Hilton type girl that can like blow shit up. Oh, she's the redhead. No, it's Elsa Bloodstone. Oh, okay. Gotcha. She's Boom is like the blonde. Oh, she's like sure. a trench coat. Yeah. Gotcha. The cool thing about her, which is what they do in X-Force, is she is a like girl from a trailer park in Virginia who was like abused by her dad and like ran away, but like hides all this insecurity with just like mountains and mountains of like cocky bravado. And for a long time in the 80s, she just like lived with X Factor. And her main thing while living with X Factor as her like foster parents was blowing up all their stuff and making Beast angry. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then she joins X Force in the 90s. And her role in X Force is so cool because you she begins a long relationship with Cannonball, who's one of my favorite characters because he's from Kentucky and I'm from Tennessee. All right. Uh, and they both like grow together because he's like the like model, like perfect X Man who just wants to do good by the professor and stuff. And then she's like, pissing off everyone, making them all mad. But they, like, can't resist each other, and Cannibal finds out that he's immortal, and, like, Boomer has a deal with, like, I love a man who might, like, watch me die. And it gets, like, really heavy. Whoa. It's yeah. great. I could just keep talking forever. About no, this. That's yeah, no, right, that's that's man. That's, li- that's literally the point of this so, yeah, show. I'm saying, like, if you want, like, X Factor is the weird subversive book. I think even if anyone maligns 90s X-Men, they're still, like, X Factor was amazing. Yeah. Because also Larry Stroman's art uh, ages really well. Like Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and like Will Spartasi are like super 90s. Like sure. Jim Lee is great, but it's also like very 90s. Yeah, we don't, they, not all characters need to have heaving bosoms. Right. Larry Stroman drew characters of varying body types, uh, varying heights, very crazy layouts, really weird designs. It's a really weird looking book. And that's why it holds up so much. Sure. It's because it doesn't look like it belongs in the 90s. It doesn't really look like it belongs anywhere. It's a weird looking book. And it's great. Because, I mean, that's always been my problem with, with a lot of 90s stuff is just the that look of it where, like, everyone just seems a little shiny. There is And so- it's mostly just, like, they're mostly <laughs> yeah. just, like. And it's all pouches. It's yeah. all pouches there and, like, so much, contoured um, muscles that you didn't know were there. When Andy Kubert, I guess, like, X-Men was his first big assignment, I guess. And so... A lot of that book written by Fabian Nicieza, just it's more of the soap opera e book. Because a lot okay. of it is just them talking in the X Mansion, like <coughs> dealing with like their personal drama. Oh, that's my shit. That's, but I... you notice that the X Mansion is super dusty because there's so much dust on the floor, so he might not have to draw feet or something. <laughs> it's just like it was like a style choice of like there's just like dust 
everywhere. It's just like little clouds of dust at the ground at all times. It's, I mean, I guess they don't have a maid, and they're never really home, so. But still. <laughs> it's like maybe you, would, you would imagine there's someone in the X-Men that would have a power that could clean the house real fast. Storm can just blow that yeah. all away. She's oh, like, yeah. She can vacuum just that op- up. Just open the window and create a vacuum. Yeah. yeah like, uh, and, and then also, like, Rob Liefeld, of course, would just draw, like, tiny little hills that go over people's feet so you don't have to see any feet. Yeah. Yep. The amazing thing about X-Force also, because I love that book, Rob Liefeld's only on it for the first 11 issues. He's only even involved. I think he's off by issue, like, nine. Okay. Um, there is a very visible confrontation between the dialogue and the plot and art, because Rob Liefeld was plotting it and drawing it. Fabian Eziaza was just doing the dialogue. Okay. There are so many times where the dialogue is directly making fun of the art <clears throat> or making fun of the plot. Um, there's, like, Domino will say something like, yeah, this... Uh, this place is coming apart faster than our battle plan, which is like, yeah, because they didn't have one. <laughs> There's also one where part two of a two-parter, the the catch-you-up blurb at the beginning is like, New York, Manhattan, pick it up as you go along. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't even bother to try. Amazing. Wow. And then the best thing is issue 15 is when Greg Capullo comes on as the new regular artist. And so issue 15, Fabian Easy is a stays on. This is the first issue he gets to like write. Yeah. In that one issue, he like jettisons all of Rob Liefeld's plots. <laughs> a lot. He gets rid of Cable. Like Cable, he writes Cable out of the book, gets wow. rid of the like Tolliver and like Deadpool stuff. And he just whittles the team down to these like six 19 year olds. And that one stretch of time from issue like 15 to 25 is like my favorite era of nineties comics, probably because you're watching Cannonball who's my favorite character grow from being a really like kind of like mousy timid guy to an issue 19 after X-Force has been like arrested and because they've broken the law a bunch. Like sure. I talked about that World Trade Center thing. That was partly them. Uh, <laughs> Professor X is like, you guys can either stay here and be my students again, or you can go off and keep being criminals. And Cannonball is like, you don't get to make this choice for us anymore. We are adults now. And this, these are my friends. These are my people. I believe in what we're doing and we can do this on our own and we don't need you. And he illustrates this by um, the issue is called the open hand, the closed fist. Mm-hmm. And he talks about like how a, you can either have an open hand and shake someone's hand or you can punch them with a closed fist. But then he also says you can also comfort with a closed fist. And he opens up his fist to reveal like a little field mouse he found that he's been like keeping warm in his hand with his fist. And then he's also like, and we all know that open hand can hurt. And he almost slaps Professor X. He slaps Professor X in the face. Wow. But Professor X stops his hand before it connects. <laughs> but it's like, holy shit, Cannibal just almost slapped Professor wow. X. A well, he sounded like he was asking to for it. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was being a dick. Um, and so then that run of X-Force is this team of 19-year-olds, which is an age group you don't see often. You either yeah. see teenagers or adults. You don't see... Like two years into college. They're like the college-age kids who should be on their own. Because they can be, but they're trying to figure it out, and it's all them like trying to find a, find a place to live, rescue their old friends. And that's like that's a great. that's a difficult age to write about in general. Yeah. Like like Buffy stumbled. Oh yeah, harder than it, it ever did. <laughs> they did when they one were in season college. in college, and then we're like, oh, they're all adults now. They're all yeah. adults. Like, like, let's let's just not. We we had a we had a <laughs> we did a Buffy episode a couple weeks ago, um, and there yeah there was just a lot of of talk about 
how the, those seasons don't entirely work. Yeah, and so it, that's why it's really cool to watch it because a lot of those characters in X Force are characters you've seen in New Mutants, which was the team books in, book in the '80s. So you've watched them all grow up, and they've all hit this new point in their lives where they're being a lot more independent. And New Mutants—that's where like Deadpool he and a lot of those guys. Rob Liefeld, uh, issue number. Basically, like, as soon as Rob Liefeld no takes one, over... No one likes Deadpool and Cable as much as Rob Liefeld. That's no. all yeah. you really <laughs> no, need no, no, to no. know. <laughs> I, uh, I loved Joe Kelly's run on Cable or on Deadpool, which is also a 90s X-Men comic, because it's uh, the most... It was the first time that I learned that comics can be both gut-bustingly hilarious and also, like, mind-blowingly dark and depressing and, yeah. like, fucked yep. up. And I was in eighth grade, and that's the perfect time to discover that yeah. <laughs> about anything. Yep. <laughs> well, that's the perfect time for any... And being an eighth grade boy is the perfect age for Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. Like, I was like, yep. when that movie came out, I was like, I would have loved this, like, yeah. 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Damn I mean, it. I was still surprised by how much I enjoyed yeah. the movie. I, I've never really been... I've never felt Deadpool has been written particularly well in the comics. It always Get feels that Joe Kelly run main. Okay, art doesn't hold up in some places, but I mean, it's also Ed McGinnis's first stuff. Okay, Ed McGinnis is a huge name now because it just, it just has always felt to me when he's at his worst, it's always sort of just felt like a lot of writers are like, oh well, if we just have him break the fourth wall, right. that's a joke. That and he's not happen ca- in Joe Kelly's run. Oh, cool, cool. That cool. is an addition as soon as Joe Kelly leaves, Christopher Priest comes on, and that is Christopher Priest's whole thing. Okay, that's also kind of Christopher Priest's like main thing. Like a lot of like Quantum and Woody is also like playing yeah. the fourth wall and stuff. I've heard Quantum and Woody is very good. It's great. Quantum and Woody is very good. Um, if you want to talk about breaking the fourth wall, uh, the only people who care about this at all that I know of <laughs> on Earth are myself and our friend Andrew. Uh, but ambush bug. Oh yeah, <laughs> breaks fourth wall a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no one else on earth cares about ambush bug except for me and Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you've told me a number of times about ambush bug. I, I, I have no idea what an ambush bug is. I know because every time it comes up, I'm talking with Andrew. <laughs> he has something to do with blue beetle and booster gold. Uh, well, I'm sure they've intersected, but no, not really. Keith okay. Giffen created Ambush Bug, right? Yeah, and I so think Keith so. Giffen also wrote a lot of the. He wrote a lot of those, Justice and he showed up. Yeah. He showed up in stuff. Yeah, I mean, I also, I also love me some Booster Gold. So sure, but that's more, more popular. The uh, the only X Men book I read at like the formative age was this thing that was barely an X Men book. It was called like. The Brotherhood. Oh, jeez. And it was. <laughs> you're like, ugh. It was written anonymously. Right. Yeah. Did Did they ever? F- it might the, say who uh, it was. The The theory is it was probably Howard Mackey. Okay. Because because at that time Howard Mackey was hella maligned. Okay. He wrote. The thing about '90s X Men is it is good for like the first five five or six ish years to me. No, the first seven years ish. Okay, it goes back and forth. But I'm starting to sound like that uh, police academy like sirens guy. <laughs> oh, Michael <laughs> Winslow. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, and then and then Wolverine comes out. <laughs> Professor X. <laughs> Gambit Monami. Um, X Men and Uncanny <laughs> X Men stay good for a long time. All the second tier books, X Factor, X Force, and Generation X. They all lose their original writers and stuff, and they all like really start to suffer. X Factor, particularly after it loses Peter David, it floundered because his voice was so singular. Sure, yeah, and he did so. He was that book was so specific, and they gave it to Howard Mackey, and it just 
went down. It got really bad. And then he like relaunched it into Mutant X, which was like taking Havoc, Havoc into an alternate timeline, Quantum sure. Leap style, where like Storm was a vampire and like Beast was a goblin and like stuff well, like that. Well, was that a that lot same... of people did shit like that in the late 90s and it was yeah. weird. Was that that same time period where like they took a lot of their characters, like Deadpool became Agent X yeah, for a minute there? Yeah, there was a weird thing. And then Brotherhood started in... Basically around 2000, 2001 is when they really yeah, were like trying to like revamp everything. And so they gave X-Men to Grant Morrison and retell the new X-Men. They gave Uncanny to Joe Casey. And then all the second tier books, they like tried to figure out what to do with it. And a lot of it was, uh, we're going to rebrand Cable as Soldier X and Deadpool as Agent X. Which there was, there's like rumors. I don't know if they're true about how that might have been like trying to prevent Rob Liefeld from getting royalty money or something. Hmm. Because like he might like, he's... Deadpool and Cable as names and yeah. stuff. Because uh, also, like, why would... Because uh, they also renamed X-Force Ecstatics. Like, they... I remember Ecstatics. They took all three of the Rob Liefeld-created teams and, like, renamed all of them at once. It's like, that's real fishy. Yeah, yeah that, that was that was all, I think, sort of around when I first started going to Rebel Base Comics in Charlotte, North Carolina. Shout out. Um, which is a, a great store, um, as opposed to Heroes Aren't Hard to Find, which uh, one of the guys made fun of me for crying at an issue of Barry Ween Boy Genius. Okay, so, uh, but also <laughs> they guys. run Heroes Con, so they do yeah. good work. They, oh, yeah, no, Heroes Con, Heroes Con is amazing. Heroes Con is the best con but don't in, make fun of you if you cry yeah, d- yeah don't Aww. don't make don't make fun of me guy from heroes uh in ninth in eighth grade <laughs> i also can't believe i've gone i couldn't even drive <laughs> without talking about age of apocalypse oh, which is also yeah. the other thing that everyone is like super fond of from the 90s yeah. which is the like dystopic glam as hell ridiculous insane revamp they did for just four months yeah. okay uh where they like this is back before the internet was a con- like and like no one now we know what's going to happen in comics two months before they come out because of previews. Sure. Yeah. At this time, uh, you're reading an issue of X Men, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, there's like a little ad in the like all the X Men books have been canceled. They've been replaced with these titles. You're like, what? I lost my mind because I thought they really canceled all the X Men books, and they launched this new reality where like Professor X was murdered in the '50s, and so he never founded the X Men, and Magneto founded them instead. And oh wow. Upon- and so. Since the balance of power was shifted, Apocalypse woke up from his, like, ancient slumber earlier and just took over the entire planet. That actually sounds really, that sounds really dope. And so in a four-month span, they, like, reinvented the entire universe, redesigned dozens of costumes, built an entire backstory, and then just did this. And you had no idea at the time, like, is this what we're staying with forever? That feels like, uh, fucking, what's it called? The, uh, the big crossover from last year. Uh, the big um, oh, uh, Marvel Secret Wars, one. Secret Wars, yeah. yeah. And Age of Apocalypse was a little battle world part of Secret Wars. Yeah, I, you know, and I liked Secret Wars a lot. I yeah. liked sort of Marvel by way of Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> where where also Ben Grimm was a wall. Yeah, well, that's also what Age of Apocalypse really feels similar to is because it's like everyone is, no one is how you know them. Wolverine has one hand. <laughs> Cyclops has literally one eye. That's on the yeah. nose. I, it'd, be, it'd be funny if Cyclops had like three eyes. Yeah. Whoops. Here you go. It's on the back. Yeah. <laughs> also, Cyclops had super long hair. Everyone had like really long hair, a lot yeah. of facial tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, this is starting to feel like it's like a Jane's Addiction concert. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, again, 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then that's, well, I mean, and that was, people did really love that once they figured out that not all the X books were really canceled. And that's yeah. why they then tried to do the movie with it. But it yeah. Didn't. yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't realize the movie was sort of inspired by. 
yeah. that time period. Well, by this series, it's, by yeah, the, it's Asian the most definitive series. apocalypse story, definitely. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, wait, wait, wait the 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 one that came out last year. Yeah, yeah, the movie oh, okay. that came out last year is based a little bit on this particular series. Because oh, it's I thought I thought you most... meant the first X Men movie. No, gotcha. oh, yeah. no, no, apocalypse isn't in, in that. Yeah, I, I love I love apocalypse, uh, and also the X Men that the. The so bad it's good part of the 90s is the X-Men also have all these villain teams in the 90s oh, that are good. so fucking dope. I love me some villain teams. Like, they have one called the Nasty Boys. <laughs> now, is that B-O-Y-Z? <laughs> no, uh, it should have been, right? Yeah. No. No. And, and their hit single, Getting Nasty. <laughs> their members are Ruckus, Ramrod, Fleabag, Slab. Uh... <laughs> That's just the cast of the the adventure game uh, Full Throttle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or uh, Streets of Rage or something like yeah. that. Uh, and then there's also um, the Acolytes, which are like Magneto's team. And they, yeah. And they like died all the time. Yeah. Okay. Like they debuted and immediately all of them died and then a bunch of them, more of them came back. Tell yeah. me everything about the Nasty Boys. Um, <laughs> yeah. They surprisingly had more of an impact on the cartoon than they ever did in the comics. <laughs> yeah. I The Nasty Boys came back earlier this year, like late last year for like a one, a one double page spread in a Cullen Bunn issue of Uncanny X-Men recently. Okay. And so... I was like, I'm going to do a full history of the Nasty Boys because they've only ever been in maybe 12 comic books okay. yeah. ever. It's just and like then, an afternoon. And then they were also in, but they were in like six they episodes of the, the cartoon. Yeah, they were in the show. All Weird. of season two is a Mr. Sinister season and they were his henchmen. And Mr. Sinister's other team were their marauders who were like stone cold evil assassin motherfuckers. So like okay. they weren't going to adapt them for a Saturday morning cartoon. But the Nasty Boys. Yeah. Now, now did the Nasty Boys all drive around in one car that had one seat too little <laughs> and they, yeah. they and they would they would sometimes kiss? Yeah. yeah. I wish. I'll rock some ramrod. I'm basically imagining the oh, Nasty Boys are the guys from Final Fantasy 15. I, I forgot the great, the one of them is also named Gorgeous George. <laughs> I forgot the best named one. I, yeah. I, I swear to God, isn't that like a baseball player? Or, I think it or, is. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I think he was a boxer. If it gives that you makes any more sense, indication, boxer, like this is a Peter David X Factor creation. This sure. is the team he creates. So like that also gives you a, a little glimpse of the tone. There's also a fight in uh, an issue of X Factor where Multiple Man is on the run in the Smithsonian Institute in the like Smithsonian Museum, and the bad the guy he's fighting like turns around and sees like the Kermit puppet that's there. Okay. But then all of a sudden the Kermit puppet punches him in the face. That's awesome. Because <laughs> Multiple Man has like yeah. put it on and like punches him. One, one of my favorite uh, shots <laughs> in, in X-Men that I've ever read is towards the end of Joss Whedon's run. There's a, there's a shot where uh, Professor X drives like a Mack truck oh, yeah. through a brick wall. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just this insane, I think it's a two page spread yeah. of just Professor X running over the embodiment of the danger room with a <laughs> Mack so truck. It's so fucking weird. Yeah, I don't I mean, I I was definitely more familiar with the cartoon in the 90s than the I didn't read a lot of comics until later, but um I definitely saw I was not allowed to watch TV like I said really, nope. but I How did I you saw, sneak it? I don't it was like, one of those important. things everyone's talking about it. <laughs> no, it was one of those things that I think it was just like on at the right time that I ended up seeing a lot of it at my friends' houses. Yeah. And then later they were airing them then when I was in high school, they would air them again at night. Yeah, yeah. So when I later when I was in high school and I had more flexibility, they were on at like ten o'clock at night. So I watched oh. a lot of them when I was in high school, um, and they had that open. They had that great opening shot. Of course, this was also the early days of the internet, so I was familiar with the Juggernaut video, the yeah. redub Juggernaut video, yeah. which for a hundred percent when I saw X three in the movie theater. 
I was 100% the only person in that theater that had seen that video. I hadn't seen it even because I didn't know about internet videos at that point. I, I was definitely the only person who had seen that video because I laughed. Oh, he says it in that God, that He movie. does. I laughed. God, I movie. laughed, but not because it was yep. like, not because it was funny, just because I was like, did that just happen? What is this? Uh, and everybody turned and looked at me. For the kids. Well, that, that, that was like in the, in the rebooted G.I. Joe movie when uh, I think The Rock turns to the camera and just goes, pork chop sandwiches. Yeah. Oh, I God. wish. I wish. <laughs> but, um, no, but the, uh, yeah, so I saw a lot of the cartoon and that, the 90s? Yeah, I don't know. There was just like... But like, I never saw them in order, so like, I had oh, no... They aired them out of order, too. I know. Three, so it gets really confusing. So I had like no concept of what was really happening. Yeah. Hey, but hey. Like, like, I think there was like some Hellfire Club stuff yes. in there. They did the Dark Phoenix Saga. Yeah. Which is the whole point of the Dark Phoenix Saga. Well, they do the Phoenix Saga, and Jean like, sacrifices herself at the end of that, and they immediately do the Dark Phoenix Saga... Where she comes back to life. And was Phoenix yeah. Saga in the 90s? I thought that was no, the 70s. They, they adapted it. Oh, it was from gotcha. the 70s. We're, we're talking the, about the TV. The cartoon. Gotcha. the cartoon. TV show adapted all this stuff. Uh, and I also love 90s X Men can't be discussed without also going into the fact that it was a promotional Blitzkrieg. Like, it was the fact, like I had all the Pizza Hut comics, uh-huh. all the action figures were so cool. I, I played a ton of that arcade game. The arcade game, which is based on the uh, 80s X Men failed pilot. Oh, wow. Yeah. The X Men. We had a, a cabinet of that at our college, oh, and I think only game. the only times it ever worked, I think only two of the four control <laughs> oh. settings actually worked. And it was Dazzler and Colossus. No. Yes. Um, but it, uh, just all the pogs and like all that. Oh, pogs. And I think one of the main gripes with X-Men fans nowadays is like in the 90s, no one gave a fuck about Iron Man or the Avengers or nope. Captain. Like their comics weren't as good and no, no. one cared. And so the X-Men got all this attention. Yeah, and, but then the X-Men got sold to Fox, so uh, Marvel elevated this, all these other characters yeah. so they can make movies about them. And now mm-hmm. we're in this reverse thing where Marvel doesn't want to make any X-Men resist. So now, so now Marvel's trying to make the Inhumans a thing because they can't use the X-Men. Mm-hmm. But now like the, a lot of it has, a lot of my work at CBR has also been like, the, the tide has shifted once again and things have finally gotten a lot better. Like they... Are now finally like have separated the X Men and Inhumans because they've been fighting together and like against each other for way too long, and they have expanded the X Men line like it's as big as it's been in like twenty years. Wow. Which most recently it's the smallest it's ever been in twenty years. Mm-hmm. At the height, it would have there was like sixteen monthly comics. God in the 90s. damn. Yeah. Uh, and so like a lot of it, a lot of the pain that we <laughs> the pain we X Men fans fans feel now is we got a really. Uh, falsely inflated idea of how prominent they should be in the sure. 90s because they maybe shouldn't have just been I mean they were great at that time but it was at the detriment of everyone else so in some ways like I love the fact that now like the Guardians of the Galaxy and like Black Widow and like Miss Marvel and like people know all these other characters and they're as popular as the X-Men were which yeah. I think is great uh, and I still wish I could get more X-Men action figures although they are making a lot more now the last couple waves of Marvel Legends have been all X-Men yeah. so like there's it, there was a there was a drought, and it's coming back. I bought the Marvel Legends figure of Hawkeye that was very specifically like Matt Fraction's. Hawkeye. Yeah, the yeah the black T-shirt. Um, yeah, and like just like like he's got the dog and everything, yeah. and it came with part of a. But the dog has two eyes. Yeah, the dog. Ha- hey, Marvel. That's, um, uh, that's ever, licensors need to get on that. Well, not even just the licensors, like Marvel itself. Like after Fraction's Hawkeye ended. 
Pizza Dog is still in the Hawkeye books, but he's got two fucking eyes. <laughs> a dog canonically has one eye. Um, he's a Cyclops dog. Marvel, I'm calling you out. Uh, <laughs> please hire me eyes. one day, please. Um, but it came with uh, five one, uh, par- parts of a, a an Odin build-a-figure. Oh, yeah. That is very clearly Anthony Hopkins' Odin. Yeah, yeah. But the part I got was his cape. Yeah, which I didn't have anything to do with because I'm not going to put a cape on Hawkeye. Where is it? I'm looking around. Uh, well, oh, the, the, it's in the bedroom. The cape <laughs> is on the bobblehead of Kenny Powers <laughs> riding, riding a jet, jet ski, ski yeah. that sits on, that sits on my shelf. Makes sense. Um, he, he's not next to, but he should be next to the uh, the stuffed This Is Fine dog mm. uh, with a Run the Jewels medallion. <laughs> uh, the toys, the X Men, the toys in the '90s for the X Men are also so great because. They made toys for characters that shouldn't have, like, uh, you guys familiar with the characters Slayback or Comcast? Because <laughs> there's car- there's they toys. Got toys. Are, are, uh, are they in a team with Spectrum and Verizon? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they can't call that character Comcast anymore. <laughs> Gee, um, wonder why. Yeah. Uh, there was, they also, it's funny, in the uh, mid-90s, Scott Liddell and Joe Matarera, who is an amazing artist who, like, was part of this big like anime manga boom that okay. came over yeah. in the mid nineties. And he is a phenomenal artist, but they, Scott Lobdell and Joe Matarera noticed they're on um, when they're on uncanny X-Men toy biz is making toys out of literally everyone. Can we trick them into making a toy? And so they created the characters called spat and grovel <laughs> and spat <laughs> is a four foot tall buxom blonde like cave woman girl <laughs> with like right. a big spear and grovel is a giant lizard dinosaur and sure enough there are they made spat and grovel as part of marvel's most wanted line those wow. characters debuted literally like a year before that <laughs> they were no wow. one wanted them they were only ever in like two comics and the bluff worked. <laughs> wow. I yeah, love that They line. definitely called their bluff. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I have never seen a game of chicken played at that, that high, high level. <laughs> and wow. I, have the, I have those toys. Really good. That lizard figure is really good. What Now, how, what did it cost you to track down spat and grovel? Or did what? you get them in the I 90s? I got them new. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. I, my bless my mom's heart <laughs> for like that's the most southern this, way of saying it yeah feeding this uh frenzied addiction that i had because mm-hmm. i had almost all of them yeah like, well also you know bless your husband's heart that you for still it, have them all yeah, in your and, tiny yeah. apartment and i'm still buying i just recently funko just started the uh, x-men uh little vinyl like little bobblehead like tiny little bobblehead oh, like sure. blind box figures and they're all based on the 90s designs. And so mm. I was like, I have to. Well, because I now they them. have the X-Men 92 book. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's, that book is also a great encapsulation of a lot of the most insane. I, I think I said it reads like a Pizza Hut comic. And I mean that in the sincerest form of flattery. Okay. And Chad Barris <laughs> and Chris Sims were like, thank you. We honestly, like, that is the best. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Chris would love that. Yeah, like, that's Chris exactly. Would love that. And be- <laughs> better that than, like, reading, like, a Hostess Fruit Pies comic. Yeah. Uh, I also, there, I also, they had all these tie-ins with like OxyClean and there was one, um, Blockbuster video had a special X-Men comic that was all about like not talking to strangers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I go on mycomicshop.com and like try to buy all these obscure, weird X-Men tie-in comics from the nineties of like, we wow. got to teach them a lesson too. <laughs> the, 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 the deepest I've ever gone is I own, <laughs> at one point I owned 
four or five variant covers of the Lone Gunman one shot as written by Jane Espenson. Oh, nice. We had in our, this was not mine. This was uh, my college roommate owned this and it was hanging on the wall of our apartment and it was a Land Before Time promotional poster that was, you got specifically for doing the like summer reading challenge at Pizza Hut. Oh, yeah. And there was an ad for for the Land Before Time laser disc on it. I forgot it was for a laser disc. Yeah. So it was branded both with Laserdisc and Pizza Hut. And my roommate, Kristen, had that. It was hanging in our college dorm. And there's also the the, uh, Star Wars poster you stole from the Metro North. Yeah, that was a Spike TV poster, though. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I um Pizza Hut had all these really great X Men tie in stuff in the nineties. They had these VHS tapes that were it was two of them. They each had two episodes each. The first four episodes of the cartoon and beforehand they had a roundtable discussion with uh, Stan Lee, Bob Harris, who was the editor of the line at the time, Scott mm-hmm. Lobdell, and Fabian Nicieza. And it was like the four of them was having like a roundtable discussion about like how cool the X Men were. Okay, and one of the things they pointed out was. Like, I remember one of them saying, like, there's a scene in this episode where there are no male characters, and it's just all women on a mission together. And they were like, that's the cool thing about this show. And I say that to transition into, like, that cartoon helped make me a feminist as a child. Sure, it's Bechdel as fuck. Yeah, because, like, it had a cast of nine, four women, four men, and then, like, Professor X, who don't really count as a member of the team. Yeah. Um... But it's like Jubilee, Rogue, Storm, and Jean Grey are also such four different characters who are all like all characterized so differently between each other on that show. And Rogue is their powerhouse, which is why Rogue is my favorite X Man. Yeah, because she's like she's like Blanche Devereaux with superpowers. And yeah. I love it. Which one is Rogue again? Uh, super oh. strong. She yellow. She the yellow coat. No, no that's, that's Jubilee. Jubilee. Rogue one. Well, the night Rogue and a pack one. Right. Yes. yes. But okay. like that's a sad version of her. No, but th- that's how he. Re- she's the one with the white yeah. streak. Yep. And gotcha. She flies. She's gotcha. got the sweet leather bomber jacket. Yeah, yeah I know. She had a bomber Rue, jacket. Rue has that sweet dress that she wore for her thirtieth birthday. You're yeah. right. Yeah. And she has a, a green she's headband. She's one of our friends' favorite. Uh, if yeah. if it's not if it's not gold balls, I can't keep an X Man. Gold straight. balls is great. He's great. That that moment, uh, that moment in the uh, battle for the atom. Or whatever it is with with gold balls, who is who is like written. He's just like this weird Hispanic kid whose whose X Men power is he can just shoot these like bouncy gold balls. Yeah, and uh, he's he just like he feels like such a loser and is not helpful or useful at all <laughs> until like the middle of this giant battle where present day X Men two factions. Uh, X-Men from the 70s and X-Men from the future are all coming together and uh, uh, one of the future X-Men including like fucking Molly from the Runaways yeah. uh, who's awesome yeah. and uh, Deadpool show up from the future and Deadpool has a moment where he, he sees gold balls he's like dude are you are you gold balls? You're a legend! <laughs> and I was like that is the best payoff for that character I could have ever as far as I was concerned that was the last time gold, uh, gold balls ever appeared in a comic book. Brian Bennis loves that character he's currently in uh, Nova or Miles Morales or one of those I books. I don't know. Miles Morales. Is Miles Morales. Yeah. Is is Gold Balls a, a Nova core? No, no. no. Okay. Because yeah, Bendis is right Nova. Why did I have a brain fart? Uh, yeah. Think of, oh, there's also really no because the 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 adult is back now. It's not the kid anymore. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gotcha. There's um also and speaking of like useless X Men also that I love. There's a character from the '90s called Maggot. Okay. Who gets wrongly maligned. Maggot was a, in 1997, Scott Lobdell finally left the X-Men books, which was like a major deal for me at the time. Cause I was like, he's been the only X-Men writer I've known. 
Uh, sure. And then Joe Kelly came on off of his run of Deadpool, which was like super dark and super weird. And I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, this is going to be good. And at that time, when Scott Liddell was leaving, he like co-created Maggot and like, I guess like, deal with that! <laughs> Maggot is a... Apparently that's his second game of chicken on the yeah. next one. <laughs> Maggot is a... Um, He's a mutant from South Africa whose mutant power is his intestines are metallic slugs that come out of his body, eat matter, go back into his body, turn him blue, and then he has super strength. Okay. That's like a lot of steps. Yeah, I have a lot, a lot. of, I have a lot like, of fundamental yeah, that's questions. That's a lot more steps than most yeah. mutant powers have. But um, Joe Kelly got a hold of this character and made him one of my favorite characters. Like he... Gave him like a inferiority complex and like okay. a lot of uh, false confidence, like trying to like live up to being an X Man, but he's also ha- knows he has a horrible power that he's like super ashamed of, really. And he gives him like a really tragic origin story and stuff. And then Joe Kelly's run got taken over by editors, and they had to scrap all of his plots and just had to do what they wanted. So Oof. Maggot was gone after like nine issues. Uh, and then there was also at that time there was Marrow, the girl who just grows a lot of bones. Sure, uh, <laughs> helpful. And Cecilia Reyes, who has force fields, she has like natural defensive force fields, but she still feels pain. So oh. you, can, you can punch her and she'll feel like she got punched, but she won't have any like the physical damage of it. So it's like Oof. still a force field that hurts. That, <laughs> that's kind of crazy. That Like that's, there are that's so like many really cool story ideas there. Yeah. yeah. And it was really cool because that run of X-Men is one of my favorite. And it was only like nine issues, nine or 10 issues. And it is the X-Men right after uh, there was a storyline called Operation Zero Tolerance, <laughs> where the government created these super like super sentinels that they basically scrubbed the X-Mansion at the like nano level. So like they were living in a wooden house with like, no furniture, no technology, like nothing. It was just like the bare bones foundation of the X Mansion. Wow. And living in that was Maggot, Mero, Cecilia Reyes, and then yeah. like Storm and Wolverine being like, we gotta hold this together. I- I'm just imagining all of those people in the shack, and it just is this like, like the aristocrats scene where they're all they're a, they're a swing band yeah just fall, they're oh. rocking so hard they're falling through the floors oh, not sure they had floors yeah that's yeah. true but it's really cool because they're, they're probably over some sort of subterranean uh yeah they still had the danger yeah they still have the danger um, yeah there's a really cool moment where i think x-men gets smart where it's like that's a silly premise in some ways but the smart thing about it is joe kelly used this to show the hierarchy of x-men where like Storm and Wolverine and, like, Rogue and Beast were, like, the senior people. And then Cannonball had finally graduated from being a new mutant to being an X-Man. So he was, like, a new X-Man. He was like, I'm excited about this. And then there were these three underling characters. And Marrow was a homicidal, crazy Morlock supervillain that, like, tried to kill Storm a whole bunch a couple years before. Okay. And Wolverine and Storm wouldn't give her a chance. Storm, like, kind of wanted her, like, either, like, killed or kicked out. I mean... Like, she was very, like, I don't want this person around. And they like it's kind a little of justified. Yeah. Yeah. She's not but wrong. like cannonball. Who's like this bright, optimistic guy was like, she's here and she saved our lives. So like she's trying and it gave him more. Like he almost slapped professor X a couple years earlier. And it was cool to see him like once again, like stand up to storm Wolverine. He quit the X-Men over it. He was like, fuck this. I'm going back to X-Force. Wow. Oh, I just love it. <laughs> so, it, okay, so if you were right. going to leave us oh. and by extension, our listeners and your lives, I'm um, dying. No, what? Uh, no, <laughs> no. no. That's um, an X-Men twist. On Kenny X-Men number 303, the legacy virus issue where Ilyana, the little baby Ilyana dies. Of a little... 
Yeah. Like oh, no. and makes you really sad. But but hopefully you would come back as like dark Brett. Yeah. And Brett of the Phoenix. Well, it's really I'm actually in a cocoon right now and oh. an alien has taken over my body. I was yeah. wondering. I was like, is Brett in his pupil stage or is it larval stage? Yeah, guys. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you were going to leave uh our listeners with one or two Well run it'll run or like a place. Yeah, to start or like a trade a or yeah. something. Or a trade or I would say uh X Factor Visionaries Volume One, which is basically X Factor number seventy-one to the seventy-four. Okay, which is pure David Larry Stroman. The crazy thing with comics is like there are so many volume numbers, and sure. like, it's yeah. so hard to like specify like the cover. Yeah. The cover looks like this. It gets so. We'll put so, a like, link. We'll put a link yeah. in our line notes. So that is still great. And then I would also say there is a hardcover called X Men Mutant Genesis, which okay. is the initial like kickoff arc of the Jim Lee Chris Claremont like glory X Men, and it's great okay um and then if you like really love fast and furious and insane things i say because you can't start x-force with like issue 15 or 19 because it's so continuity heavy sure you can start with x-force number one and just what like read 10 of the most 90s 90s <laughs> comics you've ever read but then by the time you get to 15 you're gonna see a wild shift and uh and and reread x-force from the beginning keeping in mind that the dialogue might be making fun of the art the entire time. <laughs> that, that, you know, our, fir- our first guest was uh, uh, Dan Gvozdin of the yeah. Superior Spider Talk uh, cast, and he, he was telling us about how uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey movie yeah. has a similar thing going on. I was listening to that. I was like, that sounds just like X-Force. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, I was not aware how often... Multiple creators could be fighting each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, clearly. Oh, obviously you haven't read enough comics. Yeah. I, yeah, clearly, um, clearly not. I did, I did before we wrap up, um, by talking about X-Men, I thought of, I thought of my beef. Okay, what's your beef? My beef is that. My beef. Ham. Is whatever the fuck Peter did. That made Kitty Pride not be with him anymore right now. Oh, right. <laughs> because yeah. I love them. And oh. whatever it is, it's definitely his fault. Yeah. The end. Yeah, it is because he uh, got a death wish and kept trying to like kill himself over and over again to sacrifice himself. Oh, gross. Because I mean, Kitty was like, you are a bad person. Well, yeah, yeah I can't blame her. I, yeah, like I said, I, I didn't read too deep into it, but I knew it was his fault. Yeah, it was. And I'm... I'm mad about it because I love them and he doesn't deserve her, but I love them. also a lot of Magic's fault, which is why Ileana Rasputin, adult Ileana, not baby Ileana, is yeah. one of my least favorite characters, which is a controversial hot take amongst X-Men fans. Oh. Yeah. She never, she never did much for <laughs> no. me. She's absent from most of the 90s, so yeah. I did never imprint it on her the way I did like Shatterstar and Multiple Man and Boom Boom and Maggot and Cannonball. And strong guy. Are you just trying and to remember all the ones you've named now? <laughs> I yeah. And strong guy and Coach Z and Homsar. And gorgeous George. And gorgeous, gorgeous George. George. I love him. All right. Um, but before we wrap up, uh, just kids, we've got you know a leading expert, X dash pert. Ugh. Yes. Um, what what was your take on uh Logan? Greatest. Yeah, it was really fucking good, right? In my top three X Men movies. Uh, w- the other two being, uh, I would say X Two X Men United is still my favorite, which is also a controversial opinion. I think I, I still think that it I thought that was the like understood. No, best but I think one. now the hot take is like it doesn't hold up, and no. I still like I go back, and it is like the only X Men movie that features a team of X Men doing X Men things. That's fair, yeah. Because the last three X Men movies have been like we're getting this team together. 
we're getting this team together. <laughs> and so I'm like, wow, X2 is, yeah, it feels like a team. They're going on a mission. It has deals with the mutant metaphor really well. Like, Brian Singer isn't, like, the best action director. But, like, Jean Grey's sacrifice at the end always pays off for me, even though it gets totally botched in the third movie. Um, and then also I think Days of Future Past is also a great, like, spectacle of a movie. That was the most, like, X-Men-ass thing I've ever seen. Because, like, that's... The new direction the franchise has gone, and they're just like, let's just say, screw the timeline and have like four going at once. I kind of like the that. most X Men thing you could possibly. Oh yeah. Do. Oh yeah. So it's like kind of great in that way. Oh yeah. Like I, I was, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed Logan. Yeah, and Logan's great because it just said, well, fuck all that. We're just doing our yeah. own little movie, and the fact that it uh, was one of the best character studies I've ever seen in any of these movies. Yeah. Great. I thought, I, I thought the. Final image was a little on the nose. Yo, yeah. don't ruin it for I, me. I won't. I won't. Um, <laughs> Laura's another character I love. Oh, she, she's so great. I love oh, her. So good I knew movie. so little going into this movie <sighs> yeah. that, like, I didn't that know. That when I X-20. said Laura, he was like, I don't know what we're talking about. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, about halfway through the movie, I went, oh, X23. Yes. Oh, okay. I told yeah. you this before you went to the movie. Yeah. I was I was mostly there for Stephen Merchant. Yes. Like, I was really mostly there for Stephen <laughs> Merchant. <laughs> and what about, uh, what about Legion? Uh, I've only seen the first two episodes, so maybe I need to. Great show, not an X Men show. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, and you could just call it a different thing, and call it like Psych Ward or something, and it would be a great show. The problem with naming it Legion is me as an X Men fan is I'm watching this amazing, engrossing show that I'm fascinated by, and I keep going. Is that an X-Men reference? 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 Because it's marketed as an X-Men show when it is not. It yeah. is not at all. And that is like, in my like OCD, like part of my brain is like, that annoys me. Yeah. Put, I, an X-Men, put X-Men in your X-Men show. I get I get that. Especially like. But it's still great. And especially but after. the first two episodes, so maybe it got worse. Well, especially after, after Noah Hawley managed to fucking pull off the impossible. Yeah. By making Fargo. A phenomenal TV show. the f- The first season is really good. The character, the uh, Billy Bob Thornton, is phenomenal. Yeah. The second season is even better. It doesn't have as like flashy a bad guy. Yeah. But it's uh, it's it's just so good. And Patrick Wilson is so handsome. Uh, Martin Freeman's on that show. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Why would my sorry? Do you not know don't, your target audience here? No, that's true. Yeah. That's that. I, I I forgot Martin Freeman my, was there. My celebrity avatar <laughs> slash crush. Yeah. All right. Um, well, thank you so much uh, for screaming for about X-Men. Joining Dude, us. it was great. Ah! Yeah, this was so good. We learned good. a lot. <laughs> we learned a lot. Now, and so if people want to find you on the internet, where could they go for more Brett White? Uh, you can go to, I'm at Brett White on Twitter. I'm at Brett White on Instagram. You can go to tpublic.com slash user slash Brett White and see all my sitcom swimsuits. Oh, yeah, t-shirts. let's talk about those. Those are fucking dope. <laughs> those so are so good. If you want uh, Bill McNeil in a Speedo. I, news I, which I do. Uh, Morticia and Gomez going to the swamp. Bob and Emily Hartley hanging out at the beach. The Golden Girls on a resort trip. I'm That's awesome. And then I also drew Fraser Beast. I, so I saw Fraser Beast. I did see that. Jim Lee era Beast, but at the like KACL uh, place. I did um, see that. I still, I still want you to at some point do. Uh, Norm and Cliff yeah. from Cheers doing Run the Jewels. I finally bought a Run the Jewels album so I can justify doing that design. Did you get the new one? The I third the, one? I started with the beginning. Uh, the third one is one of... I, I literally have not stopped listening to that album on a oh, loop God. since it came out on Christmas. Uh, and you can also go to uncannybrettwhite.com and that's where all my stuff is. Like all... I, there's a words 
take all the links. Yeah, there's a word. Yeah. There's a words page where you can see all the crazy things I've written about X Men and Star Wars. And oh, cool, cool, cool. Everything else. Um, cool. Awesome. I can be found at Hell Yes Brandon on all of the bits and pieces of the internet. I can be found at at Girlodactyl on all the bits and pieces of the internet. You can find the podcast on Twitter at at IntuitPod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash IntuitPod. Uh, you can email us if you want to send us an email or submit a topic you'd like to talk about, uh, and we will try and hit you back at, I think you'd be into it at gmail.com. If you can leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be just stellar for algorithmic reasons. It would. Um, also, we want to thank Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song, Starting Over is a Lot Like Giving Up, off the album Falling is Like Flying. It's such a hot jam, you guys. It's such... A hot jam. She she told me she wanted to. Uh, Beth told me she wanted to use this as the theme song, and I was just like, "Oh fuck yeah, fuck yeah," um, which which means it's unfortunately the 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 end of the uh, instrumental Jenga Reinhardt version of well, My no, Blue we Heaven. have it on last week's. Oh yeah, we after yeah, we're, we're oh yeah shit. We are two weeks into the yeah. New theme we're two song. weeks into the theme song. Ignore everything I've been saying. For... I mean, don't because it's still a hot jam. Oh yeah, it's a super hot fucking jam. And I think they have another. She told me they have another album coming out this year, and I can't wait. Ooh, scoop. All right. Do you want? You can do the thing. <laughs> well, now that you're asking for it, I don't want to. Great. Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs>